The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You could think of us as the heat and humidity of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be a part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who brings the heat even in dry weather. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Oh, just well. Uh, it is warm here, uh, so that is appropriate. Um, uh, the humidity is a little low, but uh, I'm sure tomorrow it'll take a turn. <laughs> what is warm for you all? Oh, what is warm for us? Well, it was probably like 86 today. Um, it just it hasn't been dropping at night, so I think we st- sit in the 70s at night. So gotcha. It's been pretty uncomfortable. I can see that. Yeah, we're sitting at 85 currently. Oh wow! Yeah, that's. Warm for this time of night. So we're then, at 73 right now. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm also an hour behind you. So, mm. but that's true. The sun has set here and it has not yet here. So, awesome. Well, hey, I do want to start at the top of the show with an apology for the sound quality on last week's episode. Not that we're necessarily always known for our sound quality, but <laughs> uh, I made a goof and I, <laughs> I replugged in my headphones when I was uh, getting ready to podcast and accidentally turned the gain on my mic up and I didn't realize it. So that was a problem, but hopefully that should be fixed this week. And then in super future weeks, actually, hopefully we'll be moving to even a new way of recording so that our sound quality will be even better. So again, my apologies. Had it been a normal episode, I either would have asked Josh to re-record or potentially even scrapped it. But because Josh sounded good and because Rob Davio is on, I really did not want to lose that episode. And I think Rob had a lot of really great things to say. So again, I apologize. I, I was very frustrated at that uh, that that happened. So because even with a guest, you know, if it was Josh and I, just Josh and I, I was like, hey, we could have re-recorded. But you can't really do that with a guest. And that's one of those things that even if you're great at editing, which I'm not saying I am, but even if you're great at editing, that's not something you can necessarily say very well. So I apologize for the muddiness of part of that. um, But that was just to save everyone's ears. I promise it sounded better that way than it did otherwise. So thanks for dealing with that. (laughs) And speaking of that, this is a really special episode because we're recording on July 9th for a release on July 18th. So we're only going to cover one very specific piece of news this week. Um, And then this show otherwise is going to be a bit of an evergreen show because Josh is lucky enough to go be going on vacation. Hooray. I don't need to go on vacation (laughs) because every day in Iowa is a vacation. So I don't need to do that. Because you don't know what you're missing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, you know. I talked to uh, I talked to some of my coworkers and I had mentioned I made that joke before and they said that everyone was going to assume we don't do anything in Iowa and I said <laughs> I think you all think way too much about how much people think about Iowa. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I mean, Iowa fans, but I don't ever think about Iowa. In fact, I think you live in Illinois half the time. Right, which is, you know, I'm only a couple hours from there, so that's kind of close. So not too bad at all. But hey, we're going to go on and we'll get rolling here and get to the show. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with Fiji on Twitter. Or check out all the awesome stuff we're posting over on Instagram, also Board with Fiji. We are a proud part of the PlayStation Video Game Network, and PSVG is on Patreon. So we are thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing to us is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone else who may enjoy it as well. I do want to take a moment, though, to give a quick shout out to our Patreon producers, Coach Hulk, Edwin Kahlo, Barry Cathcart, Josh Borboni, Chris M., Devin Tyus, Paul Calico, Benny Liu, and Joel Voss, Professor Switch himself. We really do appreciate your support there. We're also a proud member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So as I said, we are going to go ahead and skip our usual board game video game news segment that you get this week. And we're just going to jump right in to our topic of the show. Now, it's going to kind of be two slash three topics, depending on how long these go. We're going to keep the show a little piffy this week. And we're going to end the show by looking at our favorite video games of the year so far and just kind of talk about where we think the year is at halfway through the year. Because realistically, in the last couple of years at this point, it's very possible most people's or many people's game of the year was released by now. Um, You know, obviously Red Dead came out later last year, but a lot of people were really into God of War. Um, And before that, it was Zelda and Horizon. So, you know, where is 2019 stacking up in comparison to the last couple of years? So we'll talk about that at the end. But to start with, the Dice Tower went ahead and did their awards for 2018 at Dice Tower Con just a week or so ago from when we were recording this. Uh, An important thing to know about the Dice Tower Awards is, yes, even though they're awarded in early July, they are for the previous year. And they do this in order to ensure all those who are voting on the games have the opportunity to play the games that are nominated. So the nominations come out, geez, six, eight weeks, maybe even more than that before the convention. And that gives an opportunity for all those who are voting to be able to play these games. So that's why there's such delay uh, into the year before we get the 2018 award. So I think that's a good way to do it. It makes sense to me. But we're going to go ahead, go through. Josh, I'll let you take the first few until your sickness (laughs) overtakes you and you need me to take back over. Why don't you kind of start walking us through their awards? You want to end with Game of the Year or start with Game of the Year? Let's end with Game of the Year. We'll, we'll, Let's go from the bottom up. Bottom up. We'll start with Most Innovative Game. Uh, You want to go over the nominees or just the winner? I think we can just talk about the winner. Okay, the winner for Most Innovative Game was Chronicles of Crime by, I believe that's Lucky Duck Games. I could be wrong. It is Lucky Duck Games, correct. Um, I wish I remembered what what we predicted. Yeah, Uh, I don't remember. I think it was, okay, we either picked this or Detective. Um, I think we picked, I think I picked Detective for sure. Okay, so there you go. Most innovative game goes to Chronicles of Crime. Have you played Chronicles of Crime? No, you know, if I had a better game group, this would mm-hmm. be a game I would own, no question, or Detective, one of the two. Um, 
probably chronicles of crime because detect is by portal right and portal is yeah. not known to make easy games correct <laughs> um so it's a game i want to play is this the one that you have i do not have, have one do you have no. detective i don't have detective either i don't have either of these which one what is the game i'm thinking of that you played that might be similar to these uh i have deception murder and hong kong that's that's the one I was okay thinking. okay yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, I've heard really good stuff about this. And this game is one of those kind of sneaky games that you might not totally realize is almost in the top 100 on Board Game Geek. Wow. It's like number like 118 or something like that. So, apparently, sneaky good because it's not a game I hear people talk about all that often, um, but definitely a game that uh, clearly people are liking. So, yeah, good for them. Indeed. Best two player game goes to Keyforge, which. Ha- is surprising to me. What did you did you think Dual Sword Island would get it, or what did you think it would be? I thought it would be War Chest. Okay, that I can see that. War Chest is a fantastic game, an underrated game, so maybe that's why it didn't win. That could be. But but I'm happy with Keyforge. I just I I figured it would win card game, not two player game. Right. I'm 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 really happy for it. it. It is a cool game. I know you like it a ton. I haven't really had my chance to dig in deep with it yet, but I kind of thought Dual Sword Island might win just with all of the rage behind that game and dinosaur island as a whole that that brand or ip seems to be catching fire so i kind of thought that might help sway the vote but yeah keyforge it seems like richard garfield's really good at designing those head-to-head guard games imagine yeah. that go figure uh we definitely did not pick best theming no we uh, did not best theming went to detective a modern crime board game uh which i think i guess if you think about it uh with that in mind it has a pretty strong theme i don't know that we were necessarily thinking of that yeah i think i kind of fall into the video game trap here a little bit of thinking about it from kind of graphic design how does everything go together do the mechanics and mechanisms fit in with um the game i think it's probably more where they're going and i think about that a little bit you know oh it can't just be pasted on mechanics but I guess if you really think about what you do in detective, it makes sense. I guess that that would definitely win best theming. I was just focusing more, I think on art and art direction for that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's also why we were wrong with best strategy game. <laughs> uh, best strategy game goes to uh, Teo Tihuacan city of gods, um, which is a game that I, I want to play. Um, and I just released an expansion or, or announced an expansion. One of the two. Um, so that game is going strong still. Yeah. Do, do you think they just pick whatever the one is the heaviest weighted on board game peak and, and no. that's the one that wins? <laughs> well, I'm sure some voters do that do pick that. Um, uh, but it has a, they have a pretty good pre, pretty good sourcing of voters. So. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm mostly joking. <laughs> well, I know you are, but I'm sure people are thinking exactly what you said. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is a game I still really want to play, um, and I haven't had an opportunity to yet. I have a number of other heavy Euros, though, that I I probably should get to the table before I play another one. So, yeah. But yeah, people seem to dig this one for sure. And, you know, the um, designer, you know, is the same one who designed Zolkin and the Voyages of Marco Polo. So he has he has done some good, well-respected stuff and some some very heavy games with very big strategy themes. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, 
That sounds like a game my wife won't want to play. So maybe I'll <laughs> seek out someone playing that. Uh, best reprint. Well, we had uh, someone from this company on our podcast last week. Uh, best reprint goes to Fireball Island, the Curse of Volcar. And if you listened to last week's episode, you you already know this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if we have much more to say on that. Um, nope. It, I think we predicted it. He, I mean, Rob even said what we've said in previous um, podcasts where or previous episodes where the like if restoration doesn't win like what are they doing so <laughs> kind of yeah i think it kind of fits in there so right good job to them uh i'll do best party game and then i'll let you take over sounds you good. have the same list up i'm assuming i do okay so best party game is something i'm probably gonna pick up before i go on vacation um and that is just one uh which I think we predicted. This by Repost Games. Um, I've only heard great things about it. I've heard it's pretty easy to teach, pretty easy to learn, pretty easy to play. So it sounds like the perfect party game. It does sound like the perfect party game. And I, I'm i trying to think. But I'm debating to, uh, to bring Jackbox like, on the Switch mm. and then just play with everyone over their phones. Because then yeah. you can sit comfortably like on a couch. You don't have to sit on at the table with everybody. It's um, true. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. I still thought kind of the mind might win just because, mm. you know, like we had said, there's a, there's enough people who really enjoy that game, even though there's a lot of people who don't like it at all. Yeah. I thought there'd be enough people in that camp of really enjoying it to maybe push that over the top, but just one maybe seems like the, I don't want to say safer pick, but the, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense that that game would win pick. So yeah. Yes. All right. So moving on then, best game from a small publisher. And the winner this year is the game Root, which we did predict, which is from the folks at Leader Games who have now produced Root and Vast the Crystal Cavern. So two games in their library. I think kind of like you said, pretty much what we expected, right? Yeah, I think so. A game I want to play that... I haven't played that. I don't know when I'll get to play. Right. But it's supposedly very good. Yeah. <laughs> and competing against Chronicles of Crime, which obviously won earlier categories in Underwater Cities, I think was maybe another mm-hmm. kind of front runner, if you would, that wasn't quite able to pull it out. But uh, Leader seems to be doing a lot of good stuff. I think they're definitely becoming a, a team to watch. And they're located in Minnesota, which, you know, obviously is a soft spot for me. Mm. But. All right. Next on the list was best game from a new designer. And I think you switched just so you wouldn't have to talk about this game. <laughs> and that is the winner was the Quacks of Quedlinburg, um, which, again, I feel kind of bad because a lot of these games I haven't played yet. But I always feel like I always feel that I'm about a year ish removed when it comes to board games, unless it happens to be a Kickstarter I tend to be about a year removed when it comes to games. So these are all games that I'm keeping an eye on or have on my short list to purchase. But uh, what are your thoughts on Quacks of Quendlinburg, sir? Well, it's by Wolfgang Worsch, so or Worsch, and uh, it's I'm surprised to see a full-on board game by him. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely something I'm interested in checking out. Um, but yeah, it falls into that category of games that kind of come out of nowhere it won the spiel kinder spiel no one of the spiels yeah um so it gets it gets like bonus um 
signal boosting. Right. So I think that helps them too. But I mean, do I obviously like, do I want to play every game that wins awards? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if it was only that easy, I would definitely play it. But that's the problem is that I just, you know, you can't play everything. Right. And, you know, Chronicles of Crime was still in this category. Nick Nyctophobia, which is a game that I always come so close to picking up and I just haven't bitten the bullet on yet. Yeah. Um, Smartphone Inc., which I think is a really interesting game. So definitely some cool games in that as well. Uh, the winner for Best Family Game, which again will be a spoiler if you listened to last week's episode as all. Uh, but Fireball Island, The Curse of Volcour, or Volcar, was the winner from the folks over at Restoration Games. Uh, they said they were surprised. Were you surprised by this? Um, yes and no. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's it's pretty strong among the um, nominees. I think mm-hmm. that in a different year it might not have won. Right. Um, but I don't know that any of the besides like My Little Scythe, theming wise, I don't know that any of those games speak to me as a family game. I would uh, agree. I would agree that Reef could be considered a family game. I haven't played Gizmos and Space Base never came across to me as a family game. Yeah, I um, think even Reef might be pushing it for me. Yeah, but it's also, not like kids. I don't think you're going to be teaching that to younger kids. Right. And I, so, yeah. and maybe that's just my bias. When I think about family games, I tend to think of games you're going to play with kids, which maybe those should just be kids games. But <laughs> right. I mean, that's just a bias in my mind. And I, as someone who has and enjoys and has played Reef a decent amount, it uh, is not something I think of when I think of family game right away. So, yeah. All right. The next category was best expansion. And the winner of that was Scythe, the rise of Fenris. So this obviously is an expansion to the game Scythe um, from the folks over at Stonemeyer Games. Scythe, a very, very good game. Uh, this is one expansion for the game I do not have, though. But were you surprised by this? What are your thoughts on Scythe, the Rise of Fenris winning best expansion? I think this is the legacy expansion, right? That is correct, yes. Yeah, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Or it's campaign a, expansion, well, maybe yeah, technically. A legacy style yeah. addition to the game. Yep. Um, I think we picked this. Uh, it was, I think, over this or a route, and I think we picked right. um, this one to win. Yeah, I think this one seemed to add the most different to the game, which is kind of why the way we were we were going that way. So best cooperative game, though, was then won by, again, Chronicles of Crime coming back in and having its second award, which I think at this point is the only game that has won two things as we're going through here so far. Uh, Fireball Island. Except for oh, and Fireball Island, correct. So second game to have dual to have a win-win, if you would. Uh, thoughts, Chronicles of Crime. Is this I guess making... I need to play this. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> kind of what my thoughts on it are. Is maybe I need to move this a little higher on my list than I was planning to. Um, obviously, my heart was hoping Stuff Fables would win because I really enjoy that game. I like Jerry Hawthorne's designs. I had a great time playing it. But it seems like Chronicles of Crime. It's kind of the the co-op darling right now, and might have to move it a little up, move it up a little further on my to get list. So, all right, next award as we round out, just three left to go here. Best production goes to Rising Sun, designed by Eric Lang, put out by the fine folks at Come On. Surprise that a Come On game won best production. 
Hey, uh, Rob Davio said Simon also, by the way, when we interviewed him. I did, I did notice that he said that. <laughs> I, I was not going to say anything about questioning Rob Davio about that. I thought they had changed it. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is surprising to me, I think. Okay. Uh, but maybe it's because I have a bias to Simon Command games because I just feel like they're mostly miniatures production. So I feel I I I you know I've seen what Rising Sun looks like. I've seen the incredible broken token inserts for it. Mm-hmm. I just I thought Everdell, even Fireball Island to an extent, uh, had in Grim Forest all had better production from what I've seen, and I've had hands on with three out of those ones I just named. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I, I just always assume that Kaman is going to be in the running or highly considered when it comes to production. You are right. They obviously tend to be very miniatures or mini heavy, but I kind of am not surprised when they take home a production award. Yeah. So, all right. Best artwork then went to a game that you and I both really enjoy, and that is Everdell. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that, sir? Perfect. It deserves an award, and this is if it's only going to get one, this is a great one for it to get for sure. I agree. I kind of thought maybe Root would get it just because that that artwork that they have really tends to speak to people. But I definitely wanted Everdell to win. I am really thrilled that they did because that game is absolutely stunning on the table. The art on the cards on the board. Oh, it's a, such a good looking game. Yes, it, re- it really makes you one think about how far a board game art has come. When you look at, especially when we had Rob on last week, and he was talking about the old games, you know that they're bringing and making new again. And then I would go look up those old games on Board Game Geek, and go, oh goodness, yeah, <laughs> board game art has come places. And finally, the final award, the big one. Game of the Year, this one I will go through the nominees. The nominees for Game of the Year were The Mind, Everdell, Rising Sun, Architects of the West Kingdom, which I think this was the only thing it was nominated for. Yes, it was. Yeah. Western Legends, Brass Birmingham, Underwater Cities, Chronicles of Crime, Teotihuacan, City of Gods, and Root were all the nominees for Best Game of the Year. And the winner was Root. I think this is what we both had predicted. I think so. I don't remember because there were so many to choose from, but I think based on our other predictions for Root, yeah, we probably picked it for this category. Yeah, I know that I, I know at least I thought it was going to win just because it was definitely the award darling already at this point. It had won Game of the Year at South by Southwest, I think, and it definitely was the game that was kind of out there, if you would. It was the film of the movies, if you will. Um, but I'm happy for them. I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of leader games and the things that they do. I look forward to my root, my copy of Root, which I will be getting sometime <laughs> this fall, whenever that Kickstarter gets delivered. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, so Josh, when you kind of look down those winners, seems like 2018 was a pretty good year for games, yeah? For board games, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or are you saying 2018 wasn't a good year for video games? <laughs> no, I just wanted to put that seed uh, in your mind. Okay, for potential future conversations. <laughs> so no, I just uh, me being sneaky. Yeah, it was a great year uh, for games, as were the past ten. <laughs> so it was kind of crazy that there's been 
I mean, I know we're in the board game renaissance, but we talked about it with Rob last week about how that's like quickly changing as far as quality and quantity of board games goes. So right. who knows what's going to happen this year or next. Right, right, right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with, you know, he, he seemed to indicate the idea that we had that we'll get less games and potentially higher production values on those games to try to drive people to them. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. I'm wondering if this is going to become, in some ways, similar to what we hypothesized of getting to be a video game style market where you have AAA games and independent games, but really nothing in between. So you have the companies like Leader Games who re- release a game every year or two and just one game. And then you have the bigger companies who are producing 10 to 12 really super, super good games. And it's not that the independent games are any less quality or or worse in any way. They're just different from what those bigger companies are doing. So it seems like potentially moving a little bit that direction, but we'll have to obviously wait you know, in probably two years from now to, to ex- actually see how that plays out. So, all right. Any final thoughts then on the Dice Tower Awards? Uh, well, I mean, we can talk about what's happening with the Dice Tower Awards next year. <laughs> They're not doing them at the convention. So that will be interesting. That is interesting. Uh, so do it strictly online um, and then post it onto YouTube afterwards. So if you want to... Uh, I'm sure that's going to affect production of the Dice Tower Awards. It's going to affect who shows up, where it it is held, how it will be managed. So I didn't watch the entire... So, listener, if you're not familiar, the Dice Tower does a convention, Dice Tower Con, uh, that is always right over 4th of July. They announced after this year's con that uh, in past years, Dice Tower Con has actually been run by an outside company. Uh, You basically using the Dice Tower name and everyone from the Dice Tower was essentially guests at this con. Uh, Starting next year in 2020, the Dice Tower con is now going to become Dice Tower East because there is a Dice Tower West as well right now. In addition to a Dice Tower cruise and their little one that they do. The Dice Tower Retreat. Retreat. Yes, the Retreat. So it's going to be Dice Tower East and it's going to be smaller and it's going to be all internally run by the Dice Tower. But so they're not doing though the awards at Dice Tower East anymore. Correct. And, and when you say it's something separate, are you saying it's a whole big production or are they just going to read the award winners sitting in their studio and then post it to YouTube? Well, that's what he wasn't clear about. Um, oh, okay. He did say that they were just going to do it separately, um, okay. not at the con. Uh, so, and then he mentioned it would just be over the internet. Uh, so that's pretty vague, but right. uh, the appeal to the Dice Star Awards is that all those people are there. Yeah, it's cool. You know, so like now if they're not doing it at Dice Tower East, uh, I don't foresee people flying in just for an award ceremony. Uh, so I'm I'm curious uh, what that's going to be like for them. That's very true. And hopefully they figure out something awesome to do with it or, or a cool way to do it. But also, you know, this is just something that goes on the box, you know, when they make a reprint or when anything else happens, it's another sticker that they can put there or an emblem they can put there, which I think in a lot of ways probably is more important, but I do think it is kind of cool that often when they're doing these awards, someone, some representative from the company is often there. Yeah. 
But also, I think that I hope that they the Dice Star Awards tend to be kind of the best awards in the industry. I would say I think they they I feel like they get the most quote unquote right, if you would. I think <laughs> they're most that. informed. Like it's it's community sourced instead of how Origins does their awards or, you know, like, yeah. like a group of people that are, it's kind of like the Academy versus the People's Choice Awards. Right. So they, they tend to do a very good job and they have a lot of people who vote. Um, we don't get to, but they do have a lot of folks who do vote on them. So yeah, it's a, uh, well, I'll be interested to see what they do because it is definitely, I think my, my favorite award. And I think that in general, kind of like we said, seems to have the best pulse on the industry when they give their awards out. Yeah. So, all right, Josh. So we have plenty of time as we go through this fun little different styled show. Josh, we're going to play a little game. Oh, I like games. Do you like games? So the game game we're going to play is I created a list of 16 pairs of games. Okay. We don't have to go through all of them. We'll see how fast it goes and that'll kind of determine for us. But I have 16 (laughs) pairs of board games. And what our goal is today is to try to guess... Which of the two is weighted as heavier on the Board Game Geek weight scale? Now, dear listener, if you're not familiar with the Board Game Geek weight scale, what this does is basically say how complex is a game. The higher the number on the scale of one to five, the closer to five it is, the quote unquote heavier or more complex slash strategic, depending on how you want to look at it, game it is. And this is voted on when you rate games on there. You can include a weight rating for you, um, and it goes to two de- two decimal points. So you could give a game a score of three point one, or it could have a score of three point one one, or something like that. So yeah. we are going to go ahead. I have, like I said, sixteen pairs written down. I created the pairs, but I did not look up the weights, so I don't actually know what they are. But I am going to guess along with you, and then I will <laughs> reveal my little answer here um, to see which one of how we do and where we're at. Does that sound good to you, sir? It sounds very good to me. Okay. And all of these independently, each pair is connected in some way, shape, or form. There's a reason that they are, I paired them together. I think most of them are extremely straightforward. Okay. Are you ready for your first one? Sure, I'm sure I won't embarrass myself at all. I'm. We'll do it together. It'll be great. All right. <laughs> so, being that we just recapped the Dice Tower Awards, I figured I'd start with Game of the Year winner Root versus Vast: The Crystal Caverns. Oh boy, I bet Root is heavier. Okay, you're saying saying voting for Root. I am also going to vote for Root. Um, do you know what the connection between the two is? Yes, they're both made by Leader Games. That is correct. This is Leader Games. Two games that they've ever made. And we both vote root. Sorry, I'm writing this down. Kyle, Josh. And we are both wrong. <laughs> root is rated a 3.48 on Board Game Geek. Vast is a 3.56. Wow. All right. After a good start. Good start. You and I both <laughs> O and 1. All right. Next pairing. <laughs> Gaia Project yeah. versus Terra Mystica. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't have any in. I the only thing I can tell you about Gaia Project is I always look at the box when I go to my local game store. Okay. So I have to say Terra Mystica because I know that that game. My wife bought that game and she spent a lot of money on it. I'm like, oh, you're never gonna play this game. It's gonna be too hard. Okay. <laughs> so 
Do you know what the connection between the two is? Uh, I would have to guess. Oh, man, the Tire Mystica box doesn't have the company name on the outside. <laughs> that uh, it's by the same company. <laughs> Gaia Project is basically a re-implementation of Terra Mystica. Oh, okay. Okay. So if you when you go to Board Game Geek, it says re-implemented by. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It is Gaia Project is a re-implementation of Terra Mystica. So you say Terra Mystica. I am also going to say Terra Mystica because to me it came oh, no. out first. <laughs> and usually when they release a re-implementation, I feel like it's going to be more refined. So, so like Vast came out first, so it definitely shouldn't have been as heavy as Root. No, Vast was heavier than Root. Oh, I thought you were saying, okay, I guess. Yeah, since Terra Mystica I, I came out of... first. Yes, 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 okay. yes, yes, yes. So yes. we both say Terra Mystica. Uh-huh, we can't take it back. <laughs> the answer is Terra Mystica. Okay. 3.95. Wow. Yeah, Gaia Project, 4.28. So we were wrong. And my logic was clearly very wrong. All right. You just said we were right. No, I, I, I snorted and laughed. I didn't say we were right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, shoot. we were totally wrong. We That's were very how wrong. How much? Uh, Terra Mystic is a 395. Gaia Project's a 428. 428. Wow. Yeah. And both of these okay. games, I think, are like top 20 in Board Game Geek. Yeah. So. Yikes. All right. Next one. Very obvious connection. Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Uh-huh. Versus Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Oh, Season 1, for sure. It was heavier? Yeah, it has okay. to be. <laughs> In my mind. <laughs> I'm going to say Season 2 is heavier for the simple reason that Season 1, when you start it, you're playing Pandemic. And Season 2... Sure, but you're you're very much not playing Pandemic Game 2 of Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Okay, well, I, <laughs> you're playing a completely different game at the beginning yeah. of Pandemic Legacy Season 2. That's but anyway... True. Okay, so you're saying season one, I'm saying season two. Yeah. All right. Finally, we'll have someone ahead of... I know. (laughs) Pandemic Legacy season one, 2.83. Does that seem right to you or high or low? That seems low. Yep. Well, it does seem low, but it's probably right on. Like, I figured it'd be above a three. Yeah. Pandemic Legacy season two, 3.23. Wow, that's a big... That is a big... I didn't think they'd be that far apart. That is pretty big. All right. So the next two, this one will, I think will be interesting because I think this is going to be tough. Uh, Caverna versus A Feast for Odin. Uh, I'm going to say A Feast for Odin uh, based on the size of the game only. I am also going to say A Feast for Odin. Now, I could just guess whatever you're going to guess the rest of the time and lock this down, (laughs) but I'm not going to do that. I am going to say A Feast for Odin just because I have played Caverna and I don't necessarily think Caverna is as crunchy as most people do. But that could mean, and that probably sounds like me trying to be really smart, and I'm not. I just there's a lot of decisions. <laughs> I see to how, what you mean. <laughs> there's just a lot of decisions to make, but I don't think the game is very complex. It's just did I make the right decision or not? So, uh, do you know the connection? Yeah, sorry. I was I every time I blow my nose, I meet my microphone. That's fine. It's, it's, totally a, fine. it's a Feld game, right? Uh, no, both Uwe Re- Rosenberg. Rosenberg. Games. I had yep. to say Feld. Yeah, Rosenberg. You're sick. It's fine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the answer is Caverna, a 3.79. Wow. A Feast for Odin, 3.82. Oh, good. <laughs> so we are both correct. By yeah, the one skin- right. <laughs> yeah, both are right by the skin of our teeth. All right. The next one, Battlestar Galactica, the board game, uh, versus 
Firefly, the board game. Oh, Battlestar Galactica. I have played Firefly, the board game. I can tell you (laughs) just, and I haven't played Battlestar, but I can already tell you it's way higher than Firefly. (laughs) I played Battlestar once a long time ago, and I'm going to vote for that just because of that. So (laughs) we are both voting for the one that we assume you're right. What I feel is the obvious answer. Um, Obviously the connection, both, you know, sci-fi television shows. Uh, Firefly. 2.94. 2.94. Uh-huh, good. I'm glad it wasn't over three because yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, so about the same level as Pandemic Legacy Season 1, apparently. Yeah. Uh, BSG is a 3.24. Okay. All right. So we're good there. All right. The next one, trying to get super tricky. We'll see if this works. Twilight Impre- Imperium 3rd Edition. Oh, man. You did Versus <laughs> Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. I'm gonna guess they streamlined fourth edition, so I would I'm gonna guess third edition going by Kyle logic. Is I know, the, and now I feel like I can't use my own logic. <laughs> I mm, I will mm, I'm gonna go against my own logic just because I don't want it to be the same. So I will say fourth well, edition. That's, that's against all logic. Just, I know you don't want it to go for the same. <laughs> I don't want it to be the same. I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like I'm. I'm copying you. So I will go fourth edition. <laughs> All right, Twilight That's Imperium. <laughs> Twilight Imperium third edition, four point two five. Wow. Twilight Imperium fourth edition, four point two one. Wow. So Josh gets the skill. point. The circle gets the square. We're All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Another obvious connection. Star and that may be an obvious answer too. I don't know now that I think about it. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion, yeah, versus Star Wars Imperial Assault. Imperial Assault is heavier. You think so? Yes. Why? Do, why do you say Imperial Assault? Because I've only ever heard of how good Rebe- Rebellion is for two players and in introduction into the um, uh, Armada and Imperial Assault like world. Gotcha. I'm going to vote Rebellion. Because I I always thought I heard Rebellion was really heavy, but maybe I'm wrong. Because I thought Imperial Assault, isn't that the one that's basically just Descent? Descent's pretty heavy too, though, isn't it? Maybe I'm just wrong then. We'll find out, I guess. So I'm (laughs) voting Rebellion. You're voting Imperial Assault. You seem very confident in this. Well, I mean, I'm confident what I've been told. So maybe I've been told wrong. (laughs) All right. So here we go. Star Wars Imperial Assault, 3.29. Okay. Star Wars Rebellion, 3.69. Wow. Okay. I thought it would be under a three. I will double check that to make sure. So that, I would that start. Right. I would start with Imperial Assault then. Apparently. All right. So we've done a lot of heavy things. We're going to lighten it up a little bit here. Mm. Azul yeah. versus Sagrada. Azul is heavier. Azul is heavier? I think so. All right. Josh is picking Azul. I am picking Sagrada because I think it's just math. Yeah. So that's why I'm going with the grata. <laughs> All right. Josh, Azul is a 1.79. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sagrada, 1.90. Oh, man. But that, you just took the lead away. I, I can't catch up. We'll play. see what happens now. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of game left. We're only halfway through. All right. We're moving on a good clip here, though. Good clip. I think so, yeah. All right. So, friend of the show, games here. Century. <laughs> Spice Road. Is your friend of the show now? That's nice. I think so. Anyone who's been on, I consider to be a <laughs> friend send of the show. An email. <laughs> Just say hi. <laughs> Century Spice Road versus Century Gollum Edition. 
That's the same game. <laughs> the weight is different for real. I don't uh, know. It, I, don't, I just wrote them down. <laughs> I don't know if it's different. I just wrote them down. <laughs> um, Spice Road, I guess. <laughs> I, I think it's going to logically pick a different one. What are you picking? I am also, I was going to pick Spice Road. I'll pick Gollum Edition then. <laughs> okay. Okay. Josh is going Gollum Edition. I'm going Spice Road. I just think the theme of it is going to make people think it's more heavy. That's literally my life. I have no idea if that is yeah, true. You're probably right. Just remembering but, <laughs> the, the spices. Yeah. In my mind, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Century Spice Road. 1.77. So lighter than Azul. That makes sense. Yeah. By 0.02. Uh, Century Golem Edition. I'm sorry, Josh. 1.60. Oh, my God. That makes no sense. <laughs> that's it's a okay. pretty significant difference for the same game. That's a pretty big difference. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna kind of that scale's broken. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna continue down with another lighter game that is obviously very well connected. King of Tokyo uh, okay, no, versus <laughs> King of New York. And I think this one's pretty straightforward, unless my understanding of King of, of these games is incorrect. I think it's King of Tokyo. Is heavier? I think so, yeah. Okay. I'm going with King of New York. Does that <laughs> encourage you to change your answer at all? No. Am I okay. losing? <laughs> <laughs> so, King of Tokyo, one point five zero. Yeah. King of New York, one point <laughs> eight six. Ah, oh, man. It's okay, Josh. You just gotta just rattle losing off the rest the decimal of these. Game. <laughs> You're doing great. It's okay. All right, back to a little bit of a heavier game here, and <laughs> I am very interested in how this one's gonna go. Uh, Brass Lancashire. Yeah. Versus Epic Birmingham. Brass, Bring- <laughs> Josh picks Birmingham. Okay, I will pick Lancashire because I think it's a cooler word than Birmingham. Sure. Uh, Brass Lancashire, three point eight six. Brass Birmingham, three point eight Ugh. nine. Oh yeah, right. nicely done, sir. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. Uh, I feel this one. I feel like is going to be obvious, but we'll see. I don't know, but I think it's going to be. Dinosaur Island versus Dualsaur Island. Oh, I thought you were going to pick Dinogenics. I was going to, but I figured we'll stay in the, the family. Uh, Dinosaur Island has to be heavier. I a two-player game. <laughs> Twilight Imperium. Or not Twilight Imperium, but Twilight that's Struggle. One? Yeah, that's a really complicated two-player game. That's less of a game than it is <laughs> brain bender. So I also am going to pick Dinosaur Island. I'm guessing this one's pretty straightforward, but we'll see what happens here. Uh, Dual Sore Island, 2.37. Dinosaur Island, 3.0. I'm so, going to look up Dinogenics. What do you think? We're gonna, I'm going to go off script real quick. <laughs> so Diogenics is, I feel like, I know there are people who really prefer Diogenics, and I'm going to say that Diogenics is heavier. All right. What was Dinosaur Island? 3.0. All right. Dinogenics is a three on the nose. Oh, my gosh. They're tied. And then just announced a new Kickstarter today. Oh, did they? For the expansion. And you can buy the second printing. Well, darn it. Now I might have to go look at that. Let me write that down. One sec. (laughs) Dinogenics. All right. So almost done. Four more to go through here. Heaven and Ale. Mm, Still $30 on Amazon for anyone who's curious. Versus Viticulture Essentials Edition. Oh, Viticulture is a heavy game. Uh, heavier than I was expecting when I started playing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess Viticulture. Okay. Knowing uh, nothing about Heaven and Nail except 
You brew beer on it. <laughs> I'm going to pick Heaven and Ale only because the reason I bought it, it was, was on a list of games uh, my partner wanted, and she heavier likes heavy games. You're like, this is a list of games heavier than Viticulture. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a, on a list of games she really, we already have Viticulture, and it was on yeah. a list of games she wanted, and she likes heavy games, so I'm going with Heaven and Ale. Cool. All right. Uh, Viticulture, 2.93. No, sir. That's what, it's below that's what it the, says. I will I double check it. stupid now. No, I'm sure you're right. I just feel dumb. And then Heaven and Hell <laughs> is a 3.29. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> okay. All right. Another really fun connection one here. Dominion Yes. versus Dominion Intrigue. Uh, I'm going to just say Intrigue because I've been wrong about everything else. I feel like we're Rhett and Link right now, and I'm Link. And I get, I'm getting everything wrong. <laughs> Uh, for those listeners, if you don't know, Dominion Intrigue is a kind of standalone expansion, I guess, to Dominion. You can combine it with Dominion or you can play it by itself. Uh, I'll just say Dominion for the sake of being different and hoping. So <laughs> no, it's not pity. I, I think that, you know, I know Dominion Intrigue added some stuff that wasn't in Dominion, but that doesn't mean it's more complicated. It could just be less complicated. All right. Uh, Dominion is a 2.36, which actually is higher than I thought it would be. Be, yeah, I, I thought it'd be lower than that. Um, and Dominion Intrigue is a 2.44. Nicely oh, done, sir. Yeah, another one, right? <laughs> All right, two more. One that's I think we'll see, and then one that I think is going to be really fun because I have no idea. Uh, roll for the galaxy, yeah, versus race for the galaxy. Oh, um, Ray, oh, shoot, race for the galaxy. Why do you pick Race for the Galaxy? Um, I don't know why. Uh, I know one of those is heavier than the other, obviously. But I know, I know, like I can't picture which one I'm hearing that right. is hard, and I, and I'm just guessing that Race for the Galaxy. I'm just thinking Rolling Rights right now, and mm-hmm. so that in my head is like the easier version of every game that it comes out of. Right, like Rolling Right, any game is easier than the base game. So I'm gonna just. Use that logic, which doesn't apply to this game because it came out way before right. Roll Emirates. <laughs> well, and because Roll for the Galaxy is a dice version of it, right? I don't know. Well, I, I don't, don't remember. Yeah, I don't I don't remember, remember if it's just dice or if that was just like the mechanic of the game. Yeah, I think it's a dice-based version of it or it, or a dice-heavy version of it, right. which is why I'm also picking Race for the Galaxy because I think the dice probably introduced too much randomness for it to be super heavy. Yeah. So... I am going to pick race as well. I pick roll. You pick roll. You're switching. <laughs> switching. All right. Race for the galaxy. 2.97. Yeah, that's pretty high. <laughs> roll for the galaxy. 2.77. <laughs> well, it's my own fault. <laughs> you had it, and then you changed your it. answer. All right. And the last one, because I thought this way, doing this would be fun. Between two castles of Mad King Ludwig. Yes. Versus between two cities versus oh castles God. of Mad King Ludwig. What's the heavier? What is the heaviest of the three? So castles. Between, you're saying castles of Mad King Ludwig is the heaviest? Yeah. Uh, that's actually the only one I've ever played. So I'm going to pick that Same. one as well. <laughs> I know between two cities is supposed to be pretty light from what I rem- have heard, but that is all I know. And I have to assume if you take a heavy game and a light game and combine them, you get a mid weight game. Right. <laughs> That's my what thought. You would imagine. 
So, okay, here we go. Uh, between two castles of Mad King Ludwig is 2.27. Between two cities is 1.81. That's actually lighter than I thought it would be. Um, and then castles of Mad King Ludwig is 2.66. Okay. So, what did you think of our of your game today, Josh? What did you think of the experience? It was fun. You do a good job at games. I, I, I just don't do a good job playing them. <laughs> you do a great job playing them. I think it's really hard, though, because obviously if you haven't played the games, I was trying to pick games that maybe we haven't played a ton, ton. We have and, general knowledge of the games. Right, but going by what do we assume from what people have said. So it was very interesting, though, because I, I had a coworker. Um, I was going to have my partner do this, but I ran out of time because I got home super late today. So I had a coworker. I went to board Game Geek and I was, was like, can you sit down? I just need you to really quick so put in the search bar here and then look at this number and just write these down. And then you just need to cover them up on the sheet. And they thought I was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but they did it for me. I'll double check everything later to make sure. Since like, like I said, they weren't someone who uses board game geek ever. They never knew what that existed. So I'll double check things later to make sure those numbers are right. But they generally feel pretty right. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. So that's it for the board game portion. We are going to move on to the video game portion of the show. And now that we are halfway through the year, we thought it'd be a good time to check in, talk about our favorite games we have played this year, all of that good stuff. But kind of as I said at the top of the show, Josh, the last couple of years by this time, we have had, or many people have had, their favorite game of the year already released. They had already played the game that they thought was at the end of the year was going to be the best game of the entire year. Right now, do you think you have played your favorite game of the year already? Uh, it's possible. That was, <laughs> uh, enthusi- would... that was not very enthusiastic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's it's because um, it's possible. Yeah, it's not it's not enthusiastic necessarily. Um, you'll and you'll you'll know why once I say what it is. Um, let's just say it wasn't what I was expecting. I expected to have um, more favorites than we're currently sitting at. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I would agree. I I don't know that it's been a super strong year for games thus far. I've had some experiences that I've enjoyed. Um, had a lot of fun with a few things, but there's nothing that. I think in years from now, I will still be thinking of, oh, goodness, that game was amazing. Or, oh, goodness, I really need to go back and replay that. I'm not getting a huge feeling from most of these games that have come out this year. So um, without saying, we'll just say what our favorite game of the year is at the end thus far. So we're not going to count down anything else, but feel free to include it as we go. Um, What are some of your what are some of the experiences you've enjoyed thus far? Well, if we start off in early january or late january uh basically the first game of the year that really caught me by surprise and that i really enjoyed was resident evil 2 mm-hmm. um uh, it's still a game i need to get back to and play which probably is what i should have done today when i was looking for a game to play i have so many games to play I'm, i just have this problem now that i don't know what to play um, so I probably should have picked Resident Evil 2 back up and continued with that. But um, we talked about it before. I talk about a way to uh, correctly re-envision or no, remaster a game. Right. Um, they really nailed it and made it feel like it's own, its own game, especially mm-hmm. since the game is so old that a lot of the gamers now who play are playing it never played the original. Right. 
So yeah. Um, do you want me to do more? Or are you going to go one for one? Uh, we can go one for one. Okay. So I have a need to playlist, and Resident Evil Two is on my need to playlist. Gotcha. So, um, for me, I think one of the games. Hmm, this is tough. I think I'll throw out there Katana Zero right now. Uh, Katana Zero, a game that I played on Switch. It is a side-scrolling action game where you, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but you play a ninja and you're basically going through uh, different environments and each environment is about a screen or so. You move up a little bit and then to other floors and things a bit, but basically you plan your attack and that's kind of how they get away with the whole one life thing that every time you die, it was just you planning. And then once you successfully execute a floor or complete a floor, then your character actually goes through and does it. Um, But it's got an interesting story. The story is a little more in depth and um, thoughtful and asks harder questions than you would typically expect from that style of action game, especially since you're running around and stabbing people with a sword. Yeah. But it was a fun game. I enjoyed that I played it. I think that it might be <laughs> there's a way the game can end way earlier and it is quote unquote done. Um, so you have to kind of think about that. I, I went the, the long route if you wouldn't played it. It's one of the few games I've completely finished this year. I, I've really had a hard time of games holding my attention. Um, and just the fact that it held my attention long enough to finish uh, and that I enjoyed it. The music was great, too. The music's very, very good. The the um, art in it is pretty wonderful. So yeah, Katana Zero, definitely high up on my list for the year thus far. Nice. <clears throat> there was another game in January on my two playlists, and that's Kingdom Hearts 3. That's mm. on my need to playlist. Um, so for me, tra- like literally just transitioning right into February, uh, Apex Legends is the first one that, that uh, strikes that t- for me, and it's a game that um, let's say I played a fair amount of when it came out. And it took a little break of a few months uh, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> or, or more. But I think that that's the kind of game this is, is it's that game that it's really doing what it's supposed to do. <clears throat> you can pick up and play it. Mm-hmm. And then you can come back days later or months later. I literally just watched this, uh, a video where um, people Ninja was playing Fortnite and they changed so much in that game um, since the last time I played it. To, mm-hmm. to almost to the point where I don't think that I could ju- go back into that game and play it. Uh, yeah, and it's super be good because <clears throat> there's so many different things. Now they borrowed a lot from other people, but <laughs> yes, they did. Um, you know, they they implemented their own way, which is fine. <clears throat> but I mean, if you if you heard me talk about like playing Apex Legends season two, um, I've really jumped like headfirst into that, and I'm really enjoying my time with it. Um, I feel like this has grabbed me, if if it's possible, more than when Apex Legends came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm feeling like I'm being a better player. Right. Um, whether that's just or not, well, only time will tell. Um, but th- that even Apex has changed a significant amount in a few months mm-hmm. um, just by adding rank mode and, and changing the map up and not doing it so much that it becomes like a little gimmick. Right. Um, shots fired at Fortnite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Apex Legends is a, is a solid one. Awesome. Yeah, actually, that's the next one on my list as well. Um, I, and it's interesting because had I not jumped back into it a few weeks or a week or so ago, I don't know if it would have been on my list. 
But the fact that I did jump back into it and played it again more, I realized how much I really do enjoy it. Now, I know it's a super old game, but Overwatch is still my multiplayer game of choice. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy jumping into Apex Legends. I think the the thing that will definitely prevent it, though, from being it will not be my game of the year. I, that I can guarantee for one very simple reason. And maybe it's because my eyesight is bad. <laughs> I don't know. It very well could be that. But I have a really hard time when I'm playing that game, differentiating characters from the environment. Really? Yes. That when, you, Especially when you start shooting and things start going w- with what your muscle flare looks like and everything yeah. else, it's very hard for me to keep track of the character I'm shooting at against the backdrop of the environment, plus all the stuff my gun is doing. Yeah. I really struggle. I just shoot kind of where I think they still are. Now, luckily, I've been moderately successful doing that. <laughs> But if we're in firefights that are, you know, at that mid range that I like to be at, especially if I have to look down from a high point and they're below, or if I'm looking up, I have a really hard time following those characters. And I don't know what it is. Like I said, it might just be me. Maybe my eyes are bad, um, but I still really enjoy the game. I like the gameplay. It is a fun game to play. The combat feels tight. It You always feel like, you know, typically when you lose, it's because you realize you didn't do something. Um, yeah. But overall, yeah, Apex Legends, I think, a really good foray into the Battle Royale. Definitely my favorite Battle Royale that's out there. Um, and like I said, won't be my favorite game of the year, but I think it's something I will definitely be thinking about, at least in the honorable mention category, probably by the end of the year. So, Gotcha. Uh, my next one uh, should have been Far Cry New Dawn, but it really just missed the mark. <laughs> for a game that I enjoyed. <clears throat> so surprisingly, I, I I say Anthem is still wow. I still really enjoyed my time with Anthem. I really did. I liked I liked the story. I know people argue there wasn't a story. There was a story. There's a pretty <laughs> good story in there. Um people were just too mad about the issues with the game, which I one hundred percent get. It's the reason why I'm not playing it now. Uh, however, uh, I suspect if I sat down with Anthem tomorrow, I would be sucked right back in because of how much they've already changed, where you can just go into another mission from the world. You can go, you know, change your, you can change your weapons in, in the middle of matches. You can go to the forge without, like, all the things that we suffered through, people aren't suffering through. The problem is I don't know what their active player bases so you might still be suffering from uh, mission support and being able to do missions um, which is why I'm thankful I was able to do them when we played it at start so yeah is it going to be game of the year absolutely not Um, but I really did enjoy uh, the time I spent with it for sure I'm not going to lie that that surprises me a little bit yeah me too I (laughs) you know I definitely had my issues but i stuck them out and i was able to get an enjoyable experience out of it overall gotcha all right uh next thing on my list actually is going to be slay the spire which uh, i believe splig is a big fan of and it just it is a card game that you play on it's on ps4 switch and pc if i recall and in it, you're you're building a deck uh, as you're following a map. It is a roguelite in that the maps are different every time. There's three different decks that you can build from. Um, and you're just kind of building your deck and going through these different levels on your way to 
getting to the to the boss in each map. And once you've gone through them, you move on to the next map, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It is the <laughs> the music's not great, the animation's not great, the art's not great. But darn it, is it addicting. It is so good and so well-balanced and really interesting with how they do things. And it's just a really fun, solid time. It's a very affordable game that you can sink five hours into or 50 hours into. And it's a game that is so easy to put down and come back weeks later and pick up and remember exactly how everything goes. Because it's straightforward enough for you to be able to just jump back in. But it has enough depth and randomness uh, to really push you and th- have you make some tough decisions about what should I do or how should I build my deck or what card should I pick. Um, and it's just a really great time. I can't recommend it enough. This is a game that I think at the end of the year will be vying for a high position on my game of the year list. Wow. Uh, and one of my biggest surprises and joys of this year definitely is Slay the Spire. Awesome. I still have to play that. I should I should have played that today. But I was like, I don't want to play, play, turn on my PlayStation. It's probably a system update I have to do. Uh, so I didn't do that. But maybe I'll do that tomorrow after work. Maybe I'll play, I'll do that while the kiddo's taking a nap. Cool. Uh, my next one is The Division 2. We're all the way into March for me. You just <laughs> named the game in January. So I'm, think, I'm thinking <laughs> you might have more games than me. Nope. Nope. I don't uh, got really on my list. <laughs> The Division 2 was, is a very good game. Um, the only problem that I had with The Division 2 was not finding enough time to play with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Division 2 is arguably a harder game than The Division 1. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get through The Division 1 solo with m- m- medium effort. And there's missions in The Division 2 maximum effort doesn't get me through and their side missions so it became frustrating mm-hmm. um and then i kind of you know i kind of started seeing to the point where some of the missions were carbon copies of other missions but i know there are other unique missions out there so i was just tr- i was just kind of trudging through uh that and then i just got distracted by other things to play gotcha so you have not finished the division two yet correct I haven't finished it. I haven't either. Maybe we should do that at some point. Maybe we should. I'd be up for that. All right. Uh, Next on my list is actually a PSVR game, and that is Blood and Truth. (laughs) This game is just ridiculous, over-the-top fun. It very much, they sold it as you starring in your own action movie, and it very much is you starring in your own action movie. It is fun and cool and exciting and you get to do awesome things and you get to feel absolutely awesome while you're doing it and you want to ask people if they just saw what you did and all of these things and <laughs> it is pretty great there's a there's far more story to it than you'd expect there to be and the story is good enough that it kind of pulls you along and and at the end of the game i very much wanted to know what was next so it definitely leaves it open for there to be a sequel if they choose to, and I hope they choose to. Um, so Blood and Truth, a really great time. One of those, if you own a PSVR, you really must play games. Um, and just from the absolutely dumb fun I had playing this game, it probably will be on my list for most of the year <laughs> because I I had a really great play, time playing Blood and Truth. Cool. Well, my next game... <laughs> Is Mortal Kombat 11. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, what can I say about Mortal Kombat 11 that I haven't already said about it? Get over here. They're adding Spawn, which is my all-time favorite anti-hero comic book character. They're likely adding Ash Williams from Evil Dead, which is mm-hmm. the big rumor, even though Bruce Campbell said months ago uh, Ash will not be in Mortal Kombat 11, and people are thinking that it was a, a misdirect. Mm. Uh, if they add both Spawn and Ash into this fighter pack, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I'm probably just going <laughs> to stop playing all my other games and just perfect my fighting uh, st- uh, skills with both of those characters. Um, the story is incredible. It's so well done. It has one glaring issue, which we've talked about. <laughs> That's but apparently only can, my issue. They, can, they never responded to me about if, it. If they can... Oh, no, I was talking about <laughs> Ronda Rousey's voice acting. Oh, I mean, that's a problem, too, I suppose. <laughs> that's your issue. I don't it's care. It's a legitimate issue, I'm telling you. <laughs> but if they can replace Peter Dinklage and Destiny with Nolan North, I think that they can replace Ronda Rousey. And I don't think they care <laughs> enough. Kind of <laughs> uh, no, they don't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the best fighting game uh, that you can currently play on the market, hands down. All right. Have you played Samurai Showdown? No, but uh, it's the nostalgia feels are really hitting me, but the gameplay video is not. <laughs> well, then how do you know it's the best one you can play? Uh, uh, just just say I. It's an it's an uninformed but gaming knowledge opinion. Okay, like I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, last game on my list is probably going to be a controversial pick, and a lot of people are going to say I'm just being a console apologist. I already knew what it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to pick Days Gone. I really enjoyed this game. I understand the shortcomings and misgivings other people may have about it. I found I enjoyed the characters. I liked the story. I thought the gameplay was a lot of fun during the game. It got a little bit during the end when I went for the trophy grind to get that platinum. It was a, it definitely was not as uh, exciting as it was while going through the campaign. Uh, I do agree the game is too long. It could have easily been two games, and I think probably would have scored better from a, a rating standpoint uh, or from a scoring pan- standpoint from critics. But I really enjoyed it. I think that the continued support that they're doing with it is really awesome. And the events they've been doing this summer are a lot of fun to participate in. So for me, Days Gone right now has been, I really had a great time with it. It's easily the game I've spent the most time in this year. Um, And I think that in some ways says how much I've enjoyed it. So Days Gone, last one I would include in a list at this point. Well, my last one, we're pretty close on syncing up, is Void Bastards. Hmm. Uh, it's just uh, an in- fun, enjoyable little surprise of a game that if you're lucky enough to have Game Pass, you don't have to pay for. Um, great uh, exclusive. It's not really an exclusive because it's on PC, I believe, but um, great addition to the Xbox library that people constantly rightfully complain about. Um, yeah, if you if you have Game Pass, you have no excuse to not try it. It's a very good, very fun game. Uh, and what do we say? It's it's a roguelike. There's not a lot of first-person roguelikes, I don't mm-hmm. believe. Right. Um, you know, the, the art is awesome. The sense of humor is great. So um, it's an easy, easy addition to my list. Very cool. Do you have, if you had to pick your game of the year at this point, what game would you pick? It would be Mortal Kombat 11. Gotcha. Mine would be Days Gone at this point. So cool. 
Mortal Kombat 11, I really enjoyed. I just haven't played it enough post doing the campaign and then doing the um, the trainings. Yeah, so it's on my short list. I have a question mark next to it on my list um, because that and the Division 2 were kind of my honorable mentions, if you would. It's another game easy to pick up. Like if you have 25 minutes, you just go do a, a character story mode. That's at least that's what I like to try to do. Right. Um, I don't always feel like it. It is still a hyper violent game and I'm not always in the mood for that. Yep. Uh, which is probably why I didn't pick it up today when I was thinking of games to play. Right. But some days, you know, I'll just pop it on, have like a half an hour before I'm going out mm-hmm. to do groceries or whatever we're doing. I'll, I'll pop it on. Gotcha. Do you have any games that you still want to get played that you think might buy for spots that have already come out? Um, I mean, I still want to play more of Days Gone, so I could see that potentially um, making the list. Uh, Mario Maker 2 is quickly becoming uh, something I need to get more mm-hmm. than something I want to get, just based off of the support it's getting through um, level design. Right. So I'll probably end up getting that. Uh, within the next month, as well as like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, um, and yeah, and uh, Kingdom Hearts Three is still on my and Slay the Spire. Those are both on my list of games to play. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, on my list to play Resident Evil Two, uh, DMC Five, uh, Outer Wilds, because apparently everyone's talking about how amazing that game is, and I haven't touched it yet. Still playing through Judgment, which I really, really like. I just haven't played enough of it that I felt it was fair to put it on a favorite games of the year so far. Uh, Ghost Giant, which is another PSVR game. Void Bastards, because you talk so highly about it, it's on the list. And the last game I still really want to play that I have not yet is A Plague Tale Innocence. Yes. I'm glad you said that. It's on sale. I almost bought it. It's like 34 bucks this week. Um, um xbox yeah I, and i was like oh because it popped up on the games of gold thing and i was like oh are they giving this away what is going on and i tried to find it and it was just an ad for the sale gotcha so it's 34 um that's a game i really want to get uh, as well so i'm glad you mentioned that because i forgot about that and i did play outer wilds and um it's not very good <laughs> uh video game twitter and podcast says you're wrong no, I know. I, that's why I played it because everyone's talking about it. I shouldn't say it's not very good. There's a lot in that game. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell they put a lot into it. I was immediately turned off from the beginning. So like you'll, I, I don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you play it, you'll see, like you'll formulate your own opinion. But um, I'll, um, World War Z also is a game I want. I really want to add based on internet hype and yeah world war z yeah. i want to play yeah world war z i want to play as well i just wanted to have other people to play it with yeah so well, had- when it's 20 bucks we'll have like four psvg people buy it we'll play it once and <laughs> exactly <play> it <laughs> exactly uh and yeah i was listening to another show talk about outer, outer wilds and one of the people on there was talking about how they didn't enjoy it very much and yeah. the person's retort was well you have to give it a few hours you know, yeah, you've only played it for two, time. you have to give it, you know, three, four hours. And part of me right away was, oh, man, I don't want to give a game four or five hours to grab me. But I'm also the same person who says, well, yeah, with a Persona game, you're not really playing the game until you're <laughs> 10 hours in. So you got to give it a good 10 hour. And yeah. I'm such a hypocrite sometimes. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> You're like, I don't want to put it in two hours. But right. You can get it put in 10 for this one. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, 10 hours of a 120-hour experience is very little. So. Yes, in the, in the grand scheme. <laughs> so, all right. So the kind of end up on this game 
section, if you would. Uh, we will be doing the Metafall contest again this fall. We did Metafall, uh, Metaspring just this past spring, Metafall in fall 2018. So we will be doing Metafall this year as well. If you have a game or date you would like to suggest as the starting game or date, please let us know uh, at Board with VG on Twitter. The tent- tentative plan is to start with Gears of War 5, or excuse me, Gears 5 uh, when it comes out September 10th. You know, they drop the of war part. So <laughs> that is the tentative plan right now that that will be the first game that we will go ahead and do the scoring on. But aside from that, Josh, are there things coming out? You know, in July, we have, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is out this month. Wolfenstein Youngblood is out this month. Between now and kind of the end of the year, are there certain specific things now that you're really looking forward to now that it seems like we mostly know at least the big hitters and when they're coming out? Uh Sheesh. What can I say? Uh, I mean, yeah, Marvel Ultimate Alliance is 100% for, first and foremost on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I keep seeing a little bit more about the game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun if we can play, if we can all get together and figure out schedules and play together. Agreed. Uh, but um, it does look like a game that I'll be able to enjoy solo. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood. I mean, maybe if like people, I know it has it's co-op, right? Essentially, there is co-op. You don't have to play it co-op, but you can. Yeah, I mean, Wolfenstein didn't hit the same nerve in me that it, it did for everybody else, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a game people want to play together, I'm all on board and giving it a shot. It definitely looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I gotta say that it looks awesome. Um, Wreckfest is on my radar. Okay. It'll probably be a game I get for PS4 so I can play with Seth because he's the only other person I know <laughs> interested in it. But right. if you like, if you don't look at that game and think Demolition Derby for PlayStation, like I don't know what you, like is wrong with you because that game was the best and we haven't gotten a like successor to that since then. Right. Um, and then Blair Witch and then the Dark Pictures Anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, series in general about the man of Madan, Madan. Uh, yeah, leading up to September, which looks to be a busier month with Destiny 2 expansion and Borderlands 3. Um, is Borderlands 3 your most anticipated game? I think so, probably for the year, yeah, and Gears 5. But yeah, I think my hype for Borderlands 3 isn't even on the chart anymore. So <laughs> I don't even really like think about it anymore. Gotcha. Because I just know that that's where all my time will be going. What about you? What's up for Kyle? I mean, I honestly, this probably doesn't bode well for it. I keep forgetting that Wolfenstein Youngblood is this month. I really enjoyed all the other Wolfenstein games, so I probably should be more excited about this than I am. I want to play it. I probably will play it. I just keep forgetting about it. Uh, but that's up there. I do want to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 as well. MUA apparently is what the cool kids call it. Who knew? No. um i do want to play i've been getting more interested in control uh they just recently released that you know the first 10 or 13 minutes of the game that you can watch i'm definitely more interested in that because i like weird things uh so that tends to be kind of in my kind of my jam i'm also really interested in astral chain on switch at the end of august that's something i'm i'm i love platinum and the games that they do so that's definitely on the list uh gears i'm excited about um, I'm trying to think of what else is coming out. Outer Worlds, I can't decide. 
I think yeah. play the Outer Worlds. I think it's on Game Pass. It will be on Game Pass, so I'll probably I guess that makes it easier. So I'll probably play the Outer Worlds. Uh, very interested in Death Stranding. More from I want to know what the heck the thing is. Yeah, and I necessarily think it's going to be good. I just really want to know what it is and get a chance to experience again the really odd thing. I like those things. Uh, and then I think I'm trying to debate whether I'm going to buy Pokemon for the first time ever. I've never I'll played get it for a- my wife. I've never played a Pokemon game other than I played a little bit of Pokemon Go. That's it. So there's a game that I that I failed to mention. I don't know if you've seen this. It's called Observation. Do you know what this game is? Is this the one you play like you are the space station and you're trying to kill? Yeah, you're trying to kill the astronaut inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That like is so appealing to me. Sorry, I thought you were talking about future games still, and that's why. No, no, sorry. I just you said something and it made me think of it. Oh. I don't know. And that's just how my scatterbrain works. I'm like, I'm going to interrupt Kyle real quick that's because fine. it's very important to me. <laughs> no, that's very cool. No, uh, I, I just kept thinking about it. When you said control, I thought of oh. observation because I don't know why. Yeah. Because it's a female uh, lead in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, actually, that is a game I would definitely play too. I'm, I have thought about, but I've not jumped into. Uh, but yeah, got to decide if I'm going to get a Pokemon. Uh, obviously, Star Wars, Jedi, Fallen Order. Yes. Um, that's definitely looking pretty awesome. And then probably Doom Eternal. I used to be day one on it. I don't know if I'm still day one on it, uh, but it's definitely something I am interested in looking at. Uh, if I had all the time in the world, I probably would double dip and get, you know, Goonie Wrath of the White Witch again, but I don't know if we'll do that. So it's a difference. It just is remastered. Okay. It's, oh, it's the first game. <laughs> it's one. the first game. Yeah. Oh, it's coming oh, back. Okay. It's coming out for current gen. Gotcha. So it was only on PS3 before, and I'll be coming to PS4, Switch, I think Xbox. Um, so maybe it's just PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. That might be it. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think. Oh, and I'll probably play Call of Duty because I play Call of Duty every year, basically. Uh, I know. As long Call as there's a campaign, Duty. which there is. So yeah. I know you're not a Call of Duty fan. I like Call of Duty. I am a Call of Duty fan. I'm a big fan of the story in Call of Duty. Which there is one again. Yeah, I just don't know. I'm not comfortable revisiting infinite warfare but it's not it's modern warfare no i know i'm just thinking of the story like revisiting oh. some of those games gotcha okay. you know what i meant i know you. <laughs> all, right. Said, all right <laughs> all right so hey that is kind of the games we're kind of looking forward to this fall i guess it's uh, yeah i made the prediction at the beginning of the year that i think this year is not going to be as good as 2018 or 2017 were and i feel pretty confident in that now Hopefully I'll be surprised. Maybe I'll be totally wrong, but I'm not certain that 2019 is going to be a year that lives in infamy for the quality of the games, but it's looking like 2020 is going to be quite the year. So I think we're probably okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Josh, we do, yeah, we do have a few questions from our listeners. Do you want to jump into those, good sir? We do. Let's start with Schplick at Dopalicious on Twitter. He says... Have you ever bought a game knowing you'll likely never get it to the table? I have Hail Hydra waiting for the one time I actually have at least four nerd friends over at one time. Need for a local nerd friends first. Luckily, I got it for a steal of a price. Yes, I know I picked that up at the GameStop crazy sale. Uh, it was like under 10 bucks, which is when I picked it up as well. Uh, I don't think I've ever bought a game knowing I'll likely never get it to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've definitely bought games, uh, knowing there's a likelihood it wouldn't get to the table for a while. Every game I buy, I have the intention of getting it to the table. Right. Um, and 
I don't know that I've ever bought a game as a collector mm-hmm. to like just know that I'll never get it to the table. <laughs> right. But I don't. I mean, I could see that happening in the future. Right. Um, like if I ever found that Settlers of Catan collect like Uber Special Limited Collector's Edition, I would probably buy that and never play it. Um, but yeah, I also have Hail Hydra, and I might bring that on vacation to hopefully play. Very cool. So I hear you, Spike. What about you, Kyle? I don't, yeah, kind of the same boat as you, Josh. I don't know that I've ever bought a game knowing I probably would never play it, but every time I buy a game that is three plus players minimum, I recognize right away that it's going to be a while probably until I get that game to the table. Um, if I am choosing between a game and one of them is two player and one of them is three player, almost universally, I'm going to buy the two player game just because yep. that's how I play a lot of games. So, I think I sometimes buy games knowing it's going to be quite a while until I get it to the table, which then... And that's the hard thing with board games compared to video games, right? That technically they do go out of print sometimes and they become harder to get. Whereas with video games, the video, the uh, digital option is almost always there for you. So, yeah, I sometimes bite on games knowing it might be a year even until I'm going to get them to the table. But ideally, um, I have a plan for getting all of them to the table when I buy them. That's smart yes um but no shame in collecting just like if you're getting games to collect or you know if you just want it so bad but you don't think it'll ever happen there's no reason to not own a game i think if i could get battlestar galactica for a reasonable price mm-hmm. i would buy it knowing i would probably never be able to play it because <laughs> it would be hard to get people because of the theme like i love the theme but those theme games can be tough if people aren't into that I'm just saying you should move to Iowa and we can play way more. Man, games. if I if we lived closer, if we could just split the difference <laughs> or we just meet somewhere. I feel like that's gonna be Ohio and it's gonna make Seth really happy. I would move for board games. If I could get <laughs> if I could pack up my family knowing I'd have a regular board game night, I would do that. Uh okay. Uh speaking of friends of the show, friend of the show, uh Mr. William Herkowitz at Herkowitz on Twitter, uh reached out to us and he says how do you guys make the decision on whether or not to join a board game Kickstarter? So that's a good question. First, I look to see if Golden Bell Studios is involved. And if they are, I don't back it. Uh, next, I look so, at the prize. <laughs> have you gotten, has your ship yet or no? No. I'm, okay. Has yours? No. Okay. I didn't think so. <clears throat> um, speaking of which, I just backed an, another game. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, actually. James Hudson from um, Skybound Games mentioned it. There's a game called The Isle of Cats that I really I, wanted to beg, but it's too pricey for my blood. I have it set as a reminder. Um, but I wish they changed it. It's called uh, Trial by Trolley. Have you seen this game? I've not seen this game. <laughs> so it's by Cyanide and Happiness. Okay. But they're working with Skybound Games, I believe. Because James James Hudson's been promoting it, mm-hmm. and you literally, it's basically it's just this insane game where there's a, someone plays the trolley. So you like picture yourself as the person who has the black card in Cards Against Humanity, mm-hmm. and there's a split on the railroad track, and people there's two teams and they play cards, and like the first top, like the top track there there's a card that says a ten year old cancer survivor, and it's a little kid saying. I've got my whole life ahead of me. 
And then on the bottom track is a kitten cuddling with a dog, and they're both on train tracks. Mm-hmm. And you have to pick which train track to go through with your trolley because you have to go on one or the other. Mm-hmm. And then the next person, they pick another card, um, which is also like the bottom one after the cat and the dog cuddling is your best friend. And then on the top track is a teenage superhero who will one day save the city. So you have two cards of each, but then the last card is a bad card, like an evil card. Like um, the bottom track on this one is Nickelback. Um, But the top card (laughs) is a pedophile approaching a playground. And you have to choose which track. (laughs) And then you add like bonus little like notes to the tracks. And then the, the conductor has to choose a track to drive on and you get uh, the team who succeeds in not getting driven over gets points. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> um, but th- that's how you get me. If I go to a Kickstarter and it's unique, obviously that's not a game for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be fun. Like that comes like there's so many different Kickstarters, but I yeah. know, I know I have a group of friends who will play that and it will be fun. It doesn't have to be a game we play all the time. It doesn't have to be like a season game or a legacy game or Seven Wonders. Like it can be like, hey, we just played Seven Wonders. Well, check out this game I kickstarted. And if it's bad, you know, that's the risk of the Kickstarter, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's good, then you have a game you can play. Uh, also, like I really wanted Batman. I really wanted Pacific Rim. And unfortunately, I just had to make the decision that just financially, that's not a smart decision to make. Right. Um, for for me, it's because I have a kid and a wife who has no income because of student loans. So, <laughs> like, those are important decisions to make. Right. Um, so that's what's important to me. Uh, how do, like, what's your decision-making process? So what I typically do is I look at who is doing it. Who is the sponsor? Similar to you, it doesn't have to. It's not always Golden Bell, so I'm out. But in general, it has to be someone who uh, has successfully done Kickstarters in the past. I will back newer or folks who have only done a couple, but I'm much more hesitant about that. If they've done a couple and it was something that was really successful previously, then I'm usually fine. But if they're people who haven't done a ton of Kickstarters, I tend to be a little more hesitant in those situations. Then... I just look at the game, watch the videos. I watch most of the stuff and read through most of the the Kickstarter posts. That might be unusual. I don't know how many people do that. I feel like most people don't. Yeah. But I do watch the video and read through just about everything. And then the very next thing I do is I click the remind me button and I yeah. go away because I am too impulsive that I would back everything to my financial detriment. Yeah. So I hit the remind me button and then I go away because I can't. If I allow myself to back things immediately, it would be really bad. <laughs> it just would be very, very bad in many ways. Uh, so I click that remind me button and then I wait until it gets down to the, you know, oh, 48 hours left or whatever. And you get the reminder, which is one of the reasons I get really annoyed that for the campaigns that have early bird. Yeah. That was drive me nuts. And I get why they do it right. Because if a whole bunch of people pledge right away, it, I'm sure on Kickstarter's algorithm, it's going to boost that up. So yeah. people are going to see it more. So I, I get it, but just, I, I don't like it. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I do. And I'm willing to take 
for better or for worse, I don't know what it is. I'm more willing to take a gamble on a Kickstarter game than I am on a game at the game store. So if I go to my FLGS and I see a game that I, I maybe don't know a ton about or I've only kind of generally heard of, I'm less willing to take a risk on that than I am a Kickstarter game because when I look at the Kickstarter, I see that 3, 4, 10, 12, 15,000 other people thought it was a good idea to do this. It must be okay, right? right. So I'm a little more willing to take the risk on those. And I've been fortunate that typically they have worked out. They have not always worked out. But typically they have. So that's kind of the process I go through. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think with Kickstarter, I'm also just more willing to try out games that maybe wouldn't typically be the style of game that I would typically play. I don't know why. I have no idea why that is. Um, Right. But yeah, I think it's kind of like you get to feel like you're one of the cool kids. So Yeah, group mentality. Heck yeah. My mind is malleable. You can convince me to do stuff. (laughs) <laughs> well no i mean i think there's a point to what you're saying because <clears throat> like renegade game studios a company i love they can put out a game and generally i'll be interested in checking it out but that doesn't mean that i'm going to like it and at least when you see a kickstarter you see the whole project laid out in front of you and yeah you see if it's popular and and usually uh it's because enough people also agree with Right. What this company is laying out. And and maybe if you saw John Corbett on there, you wouldn't want it. Right. So, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks everyone so much for those questions. We really, truly do appreciate them and you participating in the show. It definitely makes the show better. So we really appreciate your willingness to send us those questions. And with that, I think it's probably time to kind of wrap up the show here. But obviously, we want to give you a recommendation of something we're doing outside of gaming that's helping us live a well-rounded life. So, Josh, what is something you'd like to recommend to our dear listeners this week? So, I've been homesick the past two days. Um, So, typically, what I like to do when I'm sick is put on a bad movie and fall asleep. Because usually it helps me fall asleep. Now, to clarify, are these bad movies you've seen before usually or bad movies you haven't seen before? No, well... That depends. Okay. If It depends on availability. So if it's something I haven't seen before and I have no interest in it and I don't mind falling asleep to, I'll put that on. Um, like back in the old school days, I would throw an army of darkness all the time, mm-hmm. uh, whether I was sick or going to bed, um, just because I know the movie by heart. So it was just something I could just fall asleep to. Um, so I was scrolling through HBO and I found... So alphabetically, the Meg popped up, which was this movie that I thought looked stupid, uh, terrible, bad. Um, I don't know that it did well in box office. It may have, it may not have. Um, but I figured it's the summertime. It's a summertime blockbuster from last year. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, I'll give it a, you know, I'll pop it in. I'll fall asleep. It'll be fine. And like the, the first half of that movie is a solid movie. It is actually a very well done movie. Um, it reminded me of the abyss. It, it had good storytelling. The acting was good. There was good character development. Um, everything was good about it. I was like, why, where was this movie? Um, and then like the second act starts and, you know, you can see the, we'll call it like the natural disaster aspect of the movie hitting um but everything was like relatively realistic if you can suspend 
you know, your disbelief in a megalodon still existing. Um, but it, it, the way they describe it scientifically, everything seemed good. Um, I quite enjoyed the movie. There was some like cheesy stuff in it, like near the end. Um, but nowhere near the level I expected it to be on. In fact, I stayed awake for the whole movie. Um, and enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> uh, so I'm recommending you give the Meg a chance. Uh, if you have, it was longer than I thought it was, though. I paused it where I thought it was near the end and it was halfway through the movie. And yeah, it's like, almost hey, a two hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you have time to kill or you just want to sit down and have like a watch a popcorn flick at night and you have access to the Meg, watch it. Um, I did watch Rampage today. That was terrible. The acting was horrible. Um, the premise was 10 times worse than the Meg. So <laughs> I definitely uh, don't recommend Rampage. But yeah, the uh, Meg was a surprising uh, enjoy enjoyment. <laughs> as we discussed in the Discord, the Meg is a good, bad movie. Yeah, but it's like arguably a good, okay movie. Yeah. I don't even know that it's a bad movie. Just so you know, just to satisfy your curiosity the yeah. meg worldwide domestic our uh, worldwide gross box office 530 million dollars wow good for them <laughs> oh my gosh 150 million almost in the u.s wow. so yeah <laughs> okay uh i i just i really like jason statham he's great <laughs> so, in it he I really know, is. He really is. so all right so that's the meg i i can endorse that recommendation that's for sure i i enjoyed the meg probably more than i should have yeah um <laughs> what i'm going to recommend is something that makes uh most people in the united states groan but i'm going to recommend it anyway because i love it Did you say uh, groan no i said groan <laughs> i groan uh and that is if you did not know uh, the Tour de France is going on right now. I am actually a big fan of professional cycling. In my younger days, I was an avid cyclist. I don't really have an excuse now other than I just say I'm really busy, which is a horrible excuse. Um, but when I actually moved from North Dakota, where I used to live, to southern Minnesota, when I was changing jobs, I had to sell my bicycles because the place I was moving to, I did not have room to store them anymore. So I ended up selling all six of my bikes because I owned six bikes. I was one of those people. Um, And then my wife always tells me that we should get into cycling. And then I show her the bike that I want. And she says, maybe not because it's (laughs) way more money than she wants to spend on a bike. And she just doesn't understand why I can't buy like a two or $300 bike. And I don't understand how she can buy a two or $300 bike. So it's fine. Not a big deal. But the Tour de France, it is a really, um, there's something about cycling that I think is almost, when you listen to it and you watch it and yes, when I watch it, I'm almost always doing something else because, you know, stages can be five hours and for a long time, it's just people pedaling on a really flat road. I get it. I totally understand. That's not super exciting for a lot of people, but there's just so much, especially when you get into the mountain stages or when you watch the time trials, seeing the level of athleticism that is in these people as they're doing this thing is really mind blowing. And I know that people are going to say, oh, a whole bunch of people taking drugs to perform better, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Fine. I'm sure whatever sport you like has a whole lot of people taking drugs to do a whole lot better in it, too. I, 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 if you try to convince me otherwise, I dare you, because I doubt that that's tr- untrue. So we are just mad because the only way the people from the United States could be good is we had to cheat. 
So, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, the Tour de France is on. I think it's great. I watch it every year. If you want to get into more pro cycling, the Giro d'Italia happened uh, in May. The Volta de España will be in May. So, or in August, excuse me, is when the Volta is. So those are the grand tours. The tour isn't the only, the Tour de France isn't the only grand tour, uh, but it's fun. You should watch it. It's on NBC Sports, if I recall. Um, so yeah, there you go. Tour de France. You should watch it. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up, sir? Well, I think that's a great idea. So thank you for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag ourselves with hashtag board with VG, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all the social medias. Uh, we ugh, are sick and tired, and when I say we, I mean me, because I just started reading the same sentence twice. <laughs> so go me. Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, can this be like the Dice Tower does the thing at the end where he always says something different? Yeah, that can totally be fine. So this will be today. I'll not screw it up again. <laughs> uh, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. Uh, that is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or the very banana board of the video games standalone feed. You can find me on Xbox Live <laughs> in the hospital and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R. I-U-S, if I do get Mario Maker 2 or Ultimate Alliance 3, I promise, I will share my Wii U code. Your Wii U Kyle, code? Where can I find you? Your Wii U code. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, really quick side note, I started playing Bastion on my Switch the other day. So, nice. yes. Um, but you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek. All at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to, out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Be on the lookout. Uh, mega, mega. I'm thinking of the Meg now. Yay. <laughs> Metafall will be coming very soon. We are trying to plan ahead a little better. So we will be kicking that off with our prediction show and all that good stuff, either the very end of July or very early August to give you plenty of time to... Uh, participate and we're going to make participating even easier this year so be on the lookout for that but remember everyone whether it be board games or video games never stop gaming